Alright, Judges chapter 19 tonight. Judges chapter 19. Whenever there's preaching in Genesis 19 or Judges 19, you can usually have a pretty good idea of what some of the subject matter is going to be about. But uh, what I, I'll go ahead and give you the title. Don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm calling this one, uh, titling this chapter, The Danger of Sympathizing with Sodomites. The Danger of Sympathizing with Sodomites. So this is going to be a nice, warm, fluffy, uh, lovey-dovey, wonderful feeling uh, sermon tonight. And so hopefully I'll be edified <laughs> by that. But Judges chapter 19 and if you remember in chapter 17 and 18, we had the story of that Levite and we have the story of the tribe of, or the one individual uh, who went and uh, hired him as a priest, brought him into his house. And then uh, in chapter 18, the Danites come along and they basically steal him and he just kind of goes along, goes to the highest bidder. And uh, we see all the problems that came from that. And this was something that made God abhor Israel. And whenever you're reading 1 Samuel and you see the Ark of the Covenant stolen, it is because of what they had done. This was a great sin. And even though it was the Danites that did it, all of Israel suffered as a result of this. You know, the Ark of the Covenant was taken from Israel as a result of this. And this is something we've got to remember. When God gave Israel the law, they were supposed to enforce that law. If they didn't, it was going to ruin the whole country. They weren't supposed to just have this attitude, well, you know, that's up to law enforcement, that's up to this group, that's, you know, that's that tribe, that's in this other town. No, they were one people, and they were supposed to deal with these things. And so we're going to see a horrible, horrible story that takes place, again, with one tribe. But uh, we're going to see that this was something that was so bad, all the tribes needed to get involved and and they did and they do get involved in this situation and i do believe that this story was a wake-up call for israel and um and there's some scary things that we can learn from that about our country but again don't want to get ahead of myself but let's go ahead and start reading in verse one it says and it came to pass in those days when there was no king in israel that there was a certain levite sojourning on the side of mount ephraim who took to him a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. And whenever you see the Bible mention how there was no king in Israel, it's almost like it, it, it would have to add that in there because the people of Israel, when they're reading this, would be like, how could this have been going on? And the reason this was able to go on, there was no king, there was nobody holding the people accountable. The people should have been able to hold themselves accountable. That's in a perfect world, you don't need, you don't need police, you don't need kings, you don't need law enforcement in a perfect world. But we don't live in a perfect world, do we? You know, the system of judges should have worked, but Israel was too wicked for that. And so as a result of that, that and the fact they couldn't handle the freedom that they had, they got in a lot of trouble. And so um, here we have a story about another Levite. And, you know, I think we, it's safe to assume that it's a different Levite than the one talked about in the previous two chapters. And the Bible doesn't give the names in either of the stories, but the description it does give, a Levite out of Bethlehem, Judah, it's the same in both of these stories, but uh, that description could cover a lot of men. And in this one, though, it mentions how he took a concubine out of Bethlehem, Judah. And it says, And his concubine played the whore against him and went away from him under her father's house to Bethlehem, Judah, and was there four whole months. And this type of wickedness 
of playing the whore was not something that was supposed to be going on in Israel. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 29, you might think, well, this was a long time before. Didn't matter. This was the law that God gave them. They were supposed to remember it. They were supposed to keep it. They were supposed to tell their children about it. I mean, they were commanded to teach this diligently to their children. So if Israel has forgotten this, that's their fault. They had no right to forget this. And it says, do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom and the land become full of wickedness. And so notice that right there, that when it comes to certain sins, people have this attitude and we still hear this foolishness today. And that is what people do in the privacy of their own homes. It doesn't matter to everybody else. Sin spreads. Sin spreads. And the reason, and there's several reasons for that. One of the reasons for that is just because of the fact that we do have sinful carnal flesh. And the more those things are running rampant, the easier it is for us to justify doing those things. And, you know, one of the things that makes it hard for me to even think about doing certain things is the fact that, you know, my father has never done those things. And, you know, one of the reasons it's so easy for people to do certain sins is because that's what their parents did. But, you know, when I think about it, like, you know, you know, my dad, he's been able to, you know, go 60 some years, you know, no alcohol, you know, not running around on his wife, not, you know, do, you know, you know, my dad, he's all these things that maybe sometimes, you know, you just get tempted, you get tired, you get tempted to quit, you get tempted to give up. But it's like, well, I don't really come from a family that does that kind of thing. And it motivates you to keep going. And the more, and so the thing is, anytime you sin, you make it more likely someone else is going to sin. And so God commanded them very clearly, don't let this happen. Otherwise, your land will fall into whoredoms. And you don't want to live in a land like that. This was not supposed to be going on in Israel. In Leviticus 21, verse 7, it says, they shall, and this is specifically talking about Levites here. And here in Judges 19, a Levite takes this woman out of Bethlehem, Judah, a concubine. And it says, Thou shalt not take a wife that is a whore or profane, neither shall they take a woman put away from her husband, for he is holy unto his God. Thou shalt sanctify him therefore, for he offereth the bread of thy God. He shall be holy unto thee, for I the Lord which sanctify you am holy. And the daughter of any priest, if she profane herself by playing the whore, she profaneth her father, she shall be burnt with fire. So that seems really harsh. Well, priests were supposed to represent God. They were supposed to be holy people because they represented God. And God was not going to put up with wickedness and perversion in their families. And so here, this is a terrible story, just the fact that you've got a Levite with a concubine, but it's also a terrible story because of the fact she's playing the whore. And not only is she not being dealt with in the way the Bible prescribed, he goes and he tries to, to get her back. So this is just, this is a terrible situation. This is a terrible, terrible situation. And this is the reason the Bible said in the beginning, there was no king. That's how come stuff like this is going on. Nobody's holding these people accountable. And even the Levites, who are supposed to be holy, they've got this kind of stuff going on. And so, it was wrong. You know, uh, so, she was wrong for playing the whore. But I do believe it's clear the Levite was wrong for having a concubine. But remember, something that people often say that's not technically true. That, and and I want, hopefully we can get a hold of this. Because this is kind of... Some of this is foreign to us in our culture today. But 
a lot of people will refer to a concubine as like a girlfriend. And there's some truth to that, but the truth is they were basically lower-ranking wives because they were wives. And, and, you know, here in this story, we see proof. Look what it says in verse 3 because it says he took up a concubine, but then in verse 3 it says, and her husband arose and went after her to speak friendly unto her and to bring her again, having a servant with him and a couple of asses, and she brought him into her father's house. And when the father of the damsel saw him, he rejoiced to meet him. So this was his wife. Now it was a concubine. She was, he was the husband to this woman. Hagar, Abraham's concubine. She is referred to as that, but she's also referred to as his wife. It is, is something else that we see in the Bible. And so this is very foreign to us, but here's the way it used to be. And sometimes people will go to the Bible and say, look, this is what they used to do. Therefore, this is okay. Wrong. Wrong big time. And we already proved last week, and, and what we saw last week in Judges 18, Judges 18 did not tell us what God thought about what they did. If you're just reading Judges 18, you can't even tell God has a problem with it. But we do have a psalm that tells us. If it wasn't for the psalm, I wouldn't be able to get up here and prove to you that that made God abhor Israel. But it was recorded in the psalms that it made God abhor Israel. And let me tell you, it's because of what the Bible says in other places, because of what is taught in other places, I am not going out on a limb and I am 100% right when I say what this priest was doing was wrong. And what Abraham did was wrong. What Jacob did with his multiple wives, with his two wives and two concubines, was wrong. It was wrong. And New Testament proof of that. What did Jesus say when the Pharisees asked him about putting away a wife? He went to Genesis and he used Adam and Eve and he said, these two shall be one flesh. What God had joined together, let not man put asunder. Right there's enough. One man, one woman. That's what God always intended. Anything beyond that is a sin. Anything, anything beyond that is a sin. So I don't want to hear anybody. And we're, we're going to talk about how things used to be with women. It was wrong. It's contrary to what the scriptures teach. It's definitely contrary to what the New Testament teaches. And I'm tired of listening to nut job knuckleheads, you know, use these stories to justify wicked, vile behavior. And I, I don't fall for it for two seconds. And so, and if anybody doubts it, I'm not going to re-preach last week's, but it is pretty eye-opening when you look at how Judges explains what happened. It doesn't seem that bad, but then you read what it says in Psalms about it. It's like, wow, that was really bad. And we should have known just by comparing what they were doing to what God said to do in his law. It should, should have been very obvious. But it's like people are ignorant on purpose when it comes to these things. But here, So here's what you've got to understand in the Bible. Okay? When it came to nobility, and understand, people like Abraham in his day was nobility. He was a very wealthy man. He, he was somebody who had many servants. When you're reading the stories of Abraham, you feel like you're just, you know, Abraham and Sarah out in a tent somewhere by themselves. No, Abraham had many servants. Abraham fought wars and won battles. And, you know, you know he, I mean, Abraham was a very mighty, wealthy, very respected man. And when it came to the nobility, something that they often did, they would have marriages that oftentimes were politically motivated. 
Because back in those days too, if you lived in a village and you were in pretty close proximity to another village and another nation, you know, there was always the danger those people are just going to be wicked and come take you over if they were stronger than you. And to take the spoils of everything that you had. And so something that would could be bring safety is if, you know, if I was a noble, you know, let's say that, you know, you know, hundreds of years ago, you know, it was hard to cross, you know, it was hard to cross the Rock River and I was nobility in Rock Falls, you know, and someone else was, you know, Brother Aaron was nobility over in Sterling and we pretty much kept to ourselves, but we're growing as a people. There's hundreds of us and we're both getting kind of wealthy and, you know, it'd be easy if we're greedy for one of us to think, you know, we should go try to, if we could get hit, you know, Aaron's stuff, that'd be really nice, you know, and he'd be worried about us. We're worried about him. That's kind of how it was back then. But, you know, if I had, uh, if I had a son, you know, and he married one, and he, one of his daughters, you know, assuming you had kids our age, <laughs> but, uh, you know, then that's something that's going to make it very likely that we're ever going to fight with each other. Because now we're going to have that connection with each other. And so the thing is, um, they would often do that. They would have these politically motivated marriages. But at the same time, too, nobility... While they would often have these politically motivated marriages, they often would indulge themselves in their riches and luxuries and things. And, you know, maybe they needed to marry that guy and the other village's daughter to protect themselves, but maybe she was really ugly or something. And so it's like, fine, she'll be my wife, but you know what? I want a concubine too. And so what they, they would have these lower ranking wives. So you have the wife She's kind of the main one. Their kids will be the next princes. And then, you know, those kids that are born from that union, you know, they've got family on both sides of the river. They're definitely not going to want to go and attack their own family. And so the thing is, part of those deals, and, and we even see an example of this in the Bible, I'm going to show you in just a minute, that they would make agreements that, hey, you don't take other wives besides my daughter's. Because again, they want they want to make sure that family unit stays strong and that it's, there's not these split loyalties and things. We see that in Genesis 31. In verse 50 it says, If thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take other wives besides my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness betwixt me and thee. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar which I have cast betwixt me and thee. This heap be witness and this pillar be witness that I will not pass over this heap to thee and that thou wilt not pass over the heap and this pillar unto me for harm. What happened? Laban was a great man. Laban had a lot of wealth. Jacob became a great man. Jacob had a lot of wealth. But they weren't really able to dwell together anymore. And remember how Jacob wanted to kind of escape and he kind of wanted to get away. And Laban got upset with them. But they end up making this agreement. That fine, you can go your separate ways. But he, he made a covenant with him. He said, you don't take any other daughters besides mine. And here's a, this heap that we're making and we're not going to do each other harm. And so, they, they, and so marriages were often ways that people, you know, kingdoms would stay civil with each other. But again, while that was what motivated nobility to marry certain people, political things, they still sometimes wanted a woman for their car, just their carnal needs, and they would indulge themselves with concubines who 
If they had kids with them, those kids weren't going to be the princes. Those kids weren't going to get the inheritances. And so uh, you say, well, is that a real thing? Well, it's not a biblical thing, but it's what people did. It's what societies have done. And let me tell you, societies, uh, they have always indulged themselves in things that are wicked and have always struggled with murder, theft, you know, stealing, looting, sexual things. It's always been around. And so the fact that we see them doing these types of things in the Bible, it is not justification. This is why these places were wicked. This is why they had so many problems. This is why Israel struggled so much. So never look at these things and justify them. The fact that they treated women like property, which is what they basically were. They, they were property. They were things that they had. That was not what God intended. They were to be one flesh. And because the wives were the weaker vessel, they were supposed to take care of them. They were supposed to be loving towards them. They were supposed to cherish them. All these things were supposed to take place. But, you know what, sinful man, that's not typically how they are. And again, dads, watch out for guys who have that attitude that women are just property things. No, they are one flesh that a man ought to lay down his life for his wife. Look at how Je what Jesus did for his bride. And yet you've got guys who pretend to be Christians that act like the bride is something you can use and abuse. That, doesn't, that is not biblical. That's not right. That's twisted. Uh, and that is, uh, that's something that, you know, I ever get a hint of anything like that from any dude, he will never get a chance with my daughter. Never, ever in a thousand years. And so, verse 4 says, And his father-in-law, the damsel's father retained him and he abode with him three days so they did eat and drink and lodge there and it came to pass on the fourth day when they arose early in the morning that he rose up to depart and the damsel's father said unto his son-in-law comfort thine heart with a morsel of bread and afterward go your way and they sat down and did eat and drink both of them together for the damsel's father had said unto the man be content i pray thee and tarry all night and let not thine heart be merry and when the man rose up to depart, his father-in-law urged him, and therefore he said again. And he arose early in the morning on the fifth day to depart. And the damsel's father said, Comfort thine heart, I pray thee. And they tarried until afternoon, and they did eat both of them. And when the man rose up to depart, he and his concubine, his servant, his father-in-law, the damsel's father, said unto him, Behold, now the day draweth toward evening. I pray you, tarry all night. Behold, the day groweth to an end. Lodge here, that thine heart may be merry. And tomorrow, get you early on your way, that thou mayest go home. Now, I'm not 100% sure why these details here are included, but it probably was just showing the father didn't want him to leave. And I think, too, it was showing that him traveling at night, um, it would, you know, he knew it would be a dangerous thing for them because of the area they were in. They were in a wicked area. And notice, too, it calls him his father-in-law. Okay? His father-in-law. Because, again, this was his wife, but a lower-ranking wife. And we also see in the story of I think it was Jephthah, or no, 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 uh, Gideon, I think. I can't remember. Uh, but one of the judges, remember he had 70 sons? and But then there was one with a concubine. And remember how the other brothers, they didn't accept him. And that was the other thing too. Because if you, again, if you had kids with a wife, then they would receive an inheritance. 
the kids with the concubine, they didn't get anything. You know, or they wouldn't get as much. And so that was a part of it too. And that, folks, that's not okay. That is not okay. And uh, our, it's, it's never been legal, as far as I know, in this country to have a wife and a concubine. Okay? If some uh, you know, knuckleheads were making laws, they would probably use the Bible to justify that kind of thing. But uh, it was never, ever right. It's just what they did. And so uh, it, it was the way of the heathen. So anyway, uh, verse 10 says, And the man would not tarry that night, but he rose up and departed and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. And there were with him two asses saddled. His concubine also was with him. So in, yeah, so in this story, you know, the dad keeps delaying things. Just didn't want his daughter to leave, I guess. But then the guy's like, no, I've got to go. He leaves at night. This wasn't smart. And this story is in Jerusalem. Jebus. Uh, Jerusalem. So remember, we talked about this last week. But during the time of the judges, the house of the Lord was not in Jerusalem. It was in Shiloh, not, not about maybe 30 miles north of there. Jerusalem did not become the place until David took it over during his reign. And that's when the house of the Lord uh, was uh, put there. The tabernacle was put there and then later Solomon built the temple there. And so Israel, they would be in the land roughly 500 years before David would finally defeat the Jebusites and end up taking over that important part of land. And the Jebusites were a very wicked people. Now, does anybody remember? Early on in the book of Judges, it, Israel mostly followed the Lord. But it kept saying they didn't utterly destroy them. They made them tributaries. But remember what God said. Do not let them stay in the land. Do not make leagues with them. Because if you do, you will learn their ways. And understand the Jebusites were. They were a very wicked people. And what we are about to see in this story is exactly what God warned Israel would happen if they did not utterly drive them out of the land. And so, verse 11, And as they were by Jebus, the day was far spent, and the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, and let us turn into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. And his master said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of a stranger that is not of the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. And so understand, you know, hanging out with these people was not only against the commandment of God, but these commandments, they weren't just ceremonial things. They were for their protection because these were abominable people that did abominations. God told them to stay away from them for a reason. So this man, you know, he's, he's wise and saying, no, we do not want to stay with those people. They're Jebusites. They're strangers and we are not going to stay with them. And so he said unto his servant, come, let us draw near to one of these places to lodge all night in Gibeah or in Ramah. And they passed on and went their way and the sun went down upon them when they were by Gibeah, which belongeth to Benjamin. So notice how they try to protect themselves and be obedient and not stay with the Jebusites. And so now they're in Gibeah in a, amongst the tribe of Benjamin. So this should be a safe place. Hey, these are our brothers. This is, the, this is Gibeah, the Benjamites have this village. Let's go there and let's find a place to stay with them. And they turned aside thither to go into lodge in Gibeah. And when he went in, he sat him down in the street of the city, for there was no man that took them into his house to lodging. 
Now, I'm not going to take time to go to a lot of scriptures on this, but the lack of hospitality was a sign, it was, it was the sign of a bad society, and it was often a notable characteristic of wicked cities, where they would not take care of strangers, they would not take care of people that were passing through. There's a lot of laws in the Old Testament about how they were to, to treat people that are passing through their land. Because think, you know, back then they didn't have highways like we do. You know, they didn't have hotels like we do. I and mean, it was, it could be dangerous traveling back in those days. And so they were supposed to be a hospitable people. We see in Exodus 22, 21, it says, Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. It says in 23, verse 9, Also thou shalt not oppress a stranger, for ye know the heart of a stranger, seeing ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. Jeremiah 7, 6 says, if ye, if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods, you're hurt. Then will I cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave your fathers forever and ever. God wanted them being good to people that travel through, even strangers. But now here you've got a guy traveling through who's a brother and nobody wants to put him up. You know why? Because the Benjamites had become very wicked. The Benjamites had already become like a lot of the heathen were. We see in verse 16, And behold, there came an old man from his work out of the field at even, which was also of Mount Ephraim. And he sojourned in Gibeah, but the men of the place were Benjamites. So we're about to see a nice guy in town, but he's not a Benjamite. He's somebody else from Mount Ephraim, and he's just he's a nice guy. He's not been around the Benjamites long enough for them to rub off on him. So then when he had lifted up his eyes, he saw a wayfaring man in the street of the city, and the old man said, Whither goest thou, and whence comest thou? And he said unto him, We are passing from Bethlehem, Judah, toward the side of the Mount Ephraim. For thence am I, and I went to Bethlehem, Judah. But I am now going to the house of the Lord, and there is no man that receiveth me to house. Yet there is both straw and provender for our asses, and there is bread and wine also for me and for thy handmaid, and for the young man which is with thy servants. There is no one of anything. And the old man said, Peace be with thee. Howsoever, let all thy wants lie upon me, only lodge not in the street. So he brought him into his house and gave provender unto the asses, and they washed their feet and did eat and drink. And so the one good guy is not from the tribe of Benjamin. And notice how he's obviously been around long enough to know, hey, you do not want to stay in the streets tonight. You do not want to dwell in the streets. That is a dangerous thing. Because these, the Benjamites, were very wicked. And obviously this Levite would have had no way of knowing that. He would have had no way of knowing that. But this is something that's going on in Israel with their own people. It says, Now as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, beset the house round about, and beat at the door, and spake to the master of the house. The old man sang, Bring forth the man that came into thine house, that we may know him. And that sounds a lot like Genesis 19 when the Sodomites... Now, but keep this in mind. When the Sodomites came, it was all the men... The Bible specifically mentions both old and young. Remember that for Sunday night's message coming up. There, there's something very, uh, very interesting about that that, that I, w- I want to point out. But it mentions all of them, both old and young. You know why? Because that city was long gone. I mean, everybody 
was a reprobate pile of garbage in the land of Sodom. Here with the Benjamites, they are a very messed up tribe. They're clearly not dealing with sin. And it's, so it's not all the men of the city. It's just certain sons of Belial. And you know what they, you know what they had living among them? Sodomites. So they, they had homos amongst the Benjamites of, of their own people, of their own brethren, certain sons of Belial that are acting exactly like the men of Sodom did. Said the exact same thing. A stranger comes to town. And what do they want to do? They want to go force the guy. And just... And, and the Bible calls them sons of Belial. So that's exactly what they were. Just reprobate filth. Sodomites. Today's term, gay. Homosexual. That, that's what they were. And so, while not all of Benjamin were sodomites, we are going to see this tribe is going to pay dearly for defending sodomites. For defending sodomites. And in the next two chapters too, and I want you to keep this in mind, in the next two chapters, we're going to see some terrible things happen to the tribe of Benjamin. And we need to always remember it's because they defended sodomite rapists. That, all the problems that they had, it would have been fine. We're going to see this if they would have just dealt with the sodomites among their own people and they didn't do it. And let me tell you, I'm getting tired of people sympathizing with sodomites. I'm getting tired of Baptists sympathizing with sodomites. I saw today, it took all I had to just not just get on. I, I, I couldn't think of a response that just wasn't viciously ugly. And so I, just, I didn't even respond. But this, a Baptist preacher was on there, you know, asking people's thoughts when it came to using someone's preferred pronouns. And, you know, and he was giving some pros and cons. You know, he gave some negative reasons for doing that. But one of the positive reasons, because it's secondary to the gospel. And I'm just like, okay, just because the gospel is more important than a pronoun doesn't change the fact that, you know what, playing along with somebody's perverted delusion is still wicked and still sinful. You know, you don't get to do something sinful just because the gospel is more important. Do you know nobody has ever helped advance the gospel by sinning? Nobody's ever done that. And so he's, you know, so the thing is, he's just like, you know, this, you know, we don't want to just go offending them. You know, we, I, I don't remember how he said it exactly, but basically, you know, maybe we need to play along so we can have a chance to maybe reach these people with the gospel. This is why people need to believe the reprobate doctrine. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not going to play. If I ever use someone's preferred pronoun, okay, it was just, it'll either be because it's an accurate one or they actually tricked me <laughs> and made me think that they were a girl or a guy when, when they weren't. Okay? And most of them, you know, it's, pre, it said it's pretty obvious with all of them. The only time it's not obvious is usually like some photoshopped still picture. I mean, that, that, it's just... Unbelievable. I, I could not believe a Baptist preacher said that. It's like, can we, are, you know, why don't you go talk to some of these people's surgeons and see if they're able to like put a spine in you. You know, they're always giving, you know, they're always giving people body parts they weren't born with. I think you, you didn't have a spine. You need to see if their surgeons can give you one. Okay, you're just scared. Okay? And listen, I'm telling you, 
I, it was, as soon as Baptists start justifying using preferred pronouns, that's when I will probably become even more isolated from Baptists because I will be very mouthy against that type of just perverted wickedness inspired by cowardice. Don't act, don't act like it's because of love. Cowardice. We're just trying to reach these people. Don't sympathize. Never sympathize with sodomites. Never sympathize with sodomites. And so, verse 23. And the man, the master of the house, went out with them and said unto them, Nay, my brethren, nay, I pray you, do not so wickedly, seeing that this man is coming to mine house. Do not this folly. Behold, here is my daughter, a maiden, and his concubine. Them I will bring out now, and humble ye them, and do with them what seemeth good unto you. But unto this man, do not so vile a thing. And folks, this is hard for us to imagine, but understand the mentality then was women were property. And that was not right. That was not right. Listen, I think any dad in here today that has a spine, any dad in here today that is actually fully of the male gender, they would lay down their own life before they would turn down their daughter over to a bunch of dogs. And the fact that these guys did, the fact Lot did, Lot did the same kind of thing. And, here, and here's why, too, because even with these messed up people, even in these messed up cultures, you know, doing this kind of thing to a, a guy was so messed up that they had created where, you know, yeah, we, we could never let something like that happen. But at the same time, but you let them do it to your daughter? Uh, just, folks, this is a shameful, shameful time. And so many people are going to die because of the wickedness that took place here. I, I mean, we, we can only guess how many people died because, again, there's a lot of long-term effects from this type of thing. God was not in any way pleased. There, there are no good guys in this story. There are no good guys. You've got the, the Levite, this other guy, these are backwards dudes themselves. These are guys who had a lot of problems themselves, who were not being obedient to God themselves. They didn't deserve to have this happen to them. You know, just because somebody's a bad guy doesn't mean, you know, he deserves to have a bunch of perverts have their way with him. But at the same time, they, you know, these, this is just a horrible time in Israel's history. You know what you're supposed to do when you read the book of Judges? It should cause you to go read the story of the Babylonian captivity and all the horrible things that happened to Israel and say, I get why that happened to them. You know, when you're reading the stories about 70 AD and over a million Jews that died during that time, you, and you look at that and say, yeah, I, I can see why that happened. We don't have to be happy about it. But at the same time, Israel was sufficiently warned. They were warned and they were warned and they were warned and God would give them grace. God would forgive them and they would do it again and again and Stuff like this would happen. Just this is crazy, wicked, degenerate stuff that's going on. And these guys were pretty messed up themselves. Offering, the man offering his daughter, a maiden. And then, and then the guy's concubine. And of course, she had already played the horse. So you can kind of see why he might have been mad at her. And be like, yeah, just take her. But again, yeah, guys don't care about concubines. You know, girls, dudes that want to use you before committing to you and marrying you, they're not going to protect you from a bunch of pervs. They're not going to, they don't care about you. You're property to them. You're just, you're just a thing. You're, you're just an item. And so, 
And treating women as property is one of the things you can find in every godless society. That's why it was so common in the Bible. Most of the cultures that we see in the Bible were completely godless. They ought, they'd sacrificed their children to Molech. And so uh, we shouldn't be surprised by this kind of thing. And yeah, the Israelites did it too because they hung out with these people. And God said, if you hang out with these people, you're going to learn their ways and be like them. And so these are, these, there are sins. This is something too you've got to keep in mind. There are sins that can make you strong as a nation, but they will always displease God and it will eventually cause you to become a nation that self-destructs by going into unnatural sins. For example, you know, if we have a strong military, that can make us wealthy as a nation because we can go and steal other nations' oil. We can loot, we can pillage. And I think that's one of the reasons our nation's been pretty rich. We've got a strong military. You know, we've done it. We've uh, gained a lot at the expense of other nations. But is God pleased with that kind of thing? No. And what has happened as a result of our nation getting rich? We have, uh, remember, this was the iniquity sister Solomon, pride, fullness of bread, abundance of idleness, not strengthening the hand of the poor and needy, and committing abominations. That's what's going on in our country. We're, we're too stinking rich in this country. And because of that, we've got a bunch of worthless slugs out there, not working jobs, not busy, not, not, get, not doing physical work to get themselves tired. And they sit around on the internet all day, watching filth, watching garbage, getting their minds warped. You know, they're able to just, you know, shack up and just be worthless and lazy. Listen, if you're lazy, you should starve to death. End of story. If you're crippled or something, we ought to help those people out. But the guy who's just lazy, he shouldn't eat. That's biblical. They shouldn't eat. These people should be starving until they get hungry enough to actually go out and do something. That's what should happen. But no, what do we do? We just keep giving them welfare. We keep giving them stuff. We, it should be illegal for dudes to shack up with women who are on welfare. And you got guys, dude, you've got women out there getting pregnant all the time. So they're getting all these food stamps. And then some worthless guy comes, shacks up with her, and then she's able to afford to buy groceries with her food stamps so she can feed his sorry carcass. And, and people say we don't have slavery in this country. Hey, I'm being forced to pay for those worthless individuals. That's slavery. And I would be, I am 100%, I should be able to use those people Slaves, whenever I want. I got a bunch of stuff I could have them do around my yard and work around my house. And, you know, I, I, I should have to treat them humanely. I should only be able to give them a few stripes, uh, you know, if they misbehave or whatever. But, well, you know, hey, they can go get a job a lot of places. You know, but uh, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked on a lot of things tonight. But, yeah, so, but, the, but again... So again, if, if we're being dishonest in our country, if we're stealing, if we're pillaging, you know, if we're doing crooked deals, if we're doing dishonest things, we can benefit from that as a nation, but those, that's not going to please God and those riches are going to turn our nation into a Sodom and Gomorrah, which is exactly what's happening. And, that's, and when that happens, people then go into the unnatural sins, which causes the nation to self-destruct. And folks, we are on a fast track for that right now. We are on a fast track. 
When you hear the numbers of homos that are out there and people, young, young people claiming to be trannies and things like that, it is a sign we are self-destructing. We're self-destructing. That's all there is to it. And so, if a nation is strong, it can become stronger by war, by killing, by stealing, taking advantage of weaker nations. But the, those people are going to end up getting spoiled. They're going to get lazy. They're going to turn into sodomites and go into unnatural sins, and they will destroy themselves. And ignorant, carnal men often get things wrong in this area because back in the day, when we treated women like property, okay, and I'm talking about in America. Right? Now, now hear, hear, hear out what I'm going to say. Let me finish my statement because part of it's going to sound offensive. But did you know that back in the day in our country, not that long ago, maybe 100 years ago or so, when we tr men treated women like property, did you know things were actually better in those days? But what we fail to realize is that was wrong. And because of that, we inspired the feminist movement that has turned into what we have today that's even worse. We, de we, we degenerated. When men got away from loving, honoring, and cherishing their wives and treating them like property, we turned into the sodomite nation we're in now. And so understand, these nations back then, we see, the, you know, we see this Levite. We see this other man from Mount Ephraim. They're not as bad as the Benjamites. But there are people too that are treating women like property. They're only one step away from where the tribe of Benjamin was. So again, it, it, it's always a progression. And so people, they often say, well, the solution is let's go one step backwards. But wait a minute. That spot where we were at was wrong and it led us to this spot. We need, it, we need to go a lot farther back than that. And so understand when people who are just ignorant try to say, well, you know, things were better a hundred years ago when women were treated like property. Um, they're just trying to use today's twisted situation caused by sins from a hundred years ago as justification for a sin that they want to do now. And that's just, that's just short-sighted ignorance. And, it, and they're just using that to, because they want to find a way to satisfy their carnal desires. So verse 25, but the men would not hearken to him. So the man took his concubine and brought her forth unto them. And they knew her and abused her all the night until the morning. And when the day began to spring, they let her go. Then came the woman in the dawning of the day and fell down at the door of the man's house where her Lord was till it was light. And her Lord rose up in the morning and opened the doors of the house and went out to go his way. And behold, the woman, his concubine, was fallen down at the door of the house and her hands were upon the threshold. And, and he said unto her, Up and let us be going. But none answered. Then the man took her up upon an ass and the man rose up and gathered him to his place. Look how much this Levite cares about his concubine. After what she goes through the night before to protect his sorry carcass, and she had no choice in it either, there she is laying there, dying. Time to go. Folks, these are not the good... There's no good guys in this story. Y'all understand that? There's no good guys in this story. This guy is in really bad shape. And when he was coming to his house, he took a knife and laid hold on his concubine and divided her together with her bones in 12 places and sent her into all the coast of Israel. And it was so that all that saw it said, 
there was no such deed done nor seen from the day that the children of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt unto this day. Consider of it. Take advice and speak your minds. And folks, this was a very disturbing and graphic way of letting Israel know what had happened. This sin was supposed to be a wake-up call that some very serious wickedness had taken place in their nation and they could not ignore this. And they didn't. And again, I'm not going to start preaching the next two chapters, but here's what we're going to see in the next two chapters. When the other tribes come along and they tell the men of Benjamin, give us those men. You know what they said? No. And as a result, we are going to see a major civil war and a lot of people in Benjamin are going to die. You know why? Because they sided and they sympathized with a bunch of sodomites. Dumbest thing they ever could have done. Those guys shouldn't have even been walking in that town to begin with. But you know what? They let them live amongst them. And these guys, they committed a horrible sin. But it did not just affect the sodomites. It did not just affect the victim. It ends up infecting the entire, affecting the entire tribe. This was something that affected the entire nation. And so understand if the, if the Benjamites just would have put them to death, then you know what? The rest of the tribes could have left them alone. But they didn't. They defended them, and the results were devastating. And we should never defend wickedness for any reason. And we definitely shouldn't defend wickedness pretending we're doing it because we're just trying to, we're trying to be nice to them so we can give them the gospel. No, you never, you never defend wickedness. You never justify wickedness. When somebody is doing wickedness, you stand against it. You fight against it. You do something to try to stop it. You do not support it. You do not act like it is okay. That, that is an absolute abomination. And this is, the, this is a horrible story. But here's, here's, this, is the, this is the scary part. Right? This is the scary part of the, a, a scary part of the story. We will see in the next chapters that this did cause, cause Israel to do something. To see that something was wrong. I believe it woke them up to their spiritual condition to a certain extent and they did something about it. But here's what scares me is we constantly hear horrible, horrible stories about things like this in our country and no one seems to care. Think about it. The, stories, the only stories we care about are when white dudes do something to black dudes. It's the only thing we care about. You know, when some crazy, homeless, violent nut job is attacking people on a subway and accidentally gets killed. You know, those are the things that we care about. You know, we don't care about all the things he'd been arrested for before. We don't care about all the other things he'd done to people, all the people he'd put into danger. We don't care about that. We just care that a white dude killed him. We, we only care about the things CNN tells us to care about, that the news media tells us to care about. Remember when everybody was talking about that young girl, like 11 or 12 year old girl that got pregnant, you know, and they were just like, uh, you know, everybody's thinking about how terrible it is that people thought she couldn't get an abortion. Nobody's talking about, wait a minute, who is this girl? Who did this to her? And let's go take care of them. Nobody, nobody does that. Whenever you hear about, you know, rape and incest, the tragedy is always that they can't kill the baby. Nobody's saying, wait a minute, who did this? So we can go kill them and make sure they never do it again. We never, we never do that kind of thing. We have one horrible story after another and nobody, no, it's, it's never a wake up call. We constantly have shootings 
in this country. We constantly have rape. We constantly have pedophilia. I mean, we've got, there, there's, there's pornography, child pornography all over the internet. We've got human trafficking running rampant in this country and hardly anything's being done about it. We have more and more people who are getting busted for these things too because they're still technically illegal, but they're getting off because the jails can't keep up with all these people. They, they, you know, they're starting to make fewer and fewer things crimes because our jails can't hold all these people. And, but the thing is, the solution is, isn't, well, let's just make it not a crime anymore. No, that's just going to make it worse. It's only, gonna, hey, has things gotten better with drugs since we made marijuana legal? No. no. Now less people are in prison for marijuana. But you know what? More and more people are dying from drug overdoses. We have, mental illness is on the rise. I mean, do you hear all these stories about the mental illness growing in this country? The, the mental illness epidemic? Yeah, that was part of that one, you know, that Jordan Neely's dude. I mean, all, all these guys that are dying after these confrontations are all dudes that were on drugs. And, and we haven't helped anybody by making these things legal. And instead of our country saying, wait a minute, we have a huge problem. There, something's wrong that AIDS is running rampant in this country. Something is wrong that all these overdoses and, and drug addiction and mental health things are happening. What are we doing wrong? And here's what we're doing. We've gotten away from God's law. We've quit enforcing God's law. Many of God's laws that used to be on the books in our country. You know, many of our laws that used to even reference Leviticus 20:13, we remove those things and we're dealing with the consequences of those things. And and what's just blows my mind is no matter how many of these stories we we hear, we're not waking up. And you know what that tells me? That tells me we're on our way to destruction. That's that's all there is to it. We're on our way to destruction. These, stuff like this, when these when these terrible stories happen, it is it's supposed to wake people up. You know, we used to hear about you know different murders and different things, just like shaking a community. Now we don't even think about it unless we know them personally. Most communities they don't even think. Well, I didn't know. Who cares? No, we we need to care about these things. It needs to matter. And what we should never ever do is sympathize with the people that are destroying our country and that are, that are causing all these problems. And in this story, Israel sins because the Benjamites sinned because of what some Sodomites did. Think about it. All of Israel is guilty because of what had taken, what had taken place. But what the actual individuals who did the crime were sodomites. They had very clear instructions on what to do with sodomites and they didn't obey it. And I've heard people too before. I've heard people do this. When they get mad at you for talking about Leviticus 20:13, oh, I can't even see in the Bible where they even ever did that. Yeah, I can't either. And look what happened as a result. I mean, do you like the stuff that happened in Judges chapter 19? Because that's the kind of stuff that happens in a nation that doesn't deal with sodomites. And so, say, man, this is a depressing chapter. I don't know how to make Judges 19 positive. I, I, I don't know how to do that. Okay? I tried to make it warm and fluffy and loving and all that kind of stuff. 
But folks, that's a terrible, terrible story. And God put it in the Bible for a reason. And the the reason He put it in there is as a warning for us to never let this kind of thing happen. But the problem is, preachers quit preaching about this a long time ago, and now we are seeing the results take place in our country. This stuff is going on in our country today. And now we're in a worse spot where we're not waking up as a nation. And we've got Baptist preachers trying to justify using preferred pronouns to pander to the filth of the earth, to sons of Belial. And let me tell you something. Stuff like that just makes me say, even so, Lord, come. Can we just, can we just get this over with? Can we, just, can we just go ahead and just let the tribulation begin and just let, let's, let's just get this over with? We're not worth saving. It makes me feel like Jonah sometimes. Maybe I'm wrong. Sometimes I feel kind of like Jonah. It's like, all right, I'm going to go find me a place to sit and get some, find me some shade. And uh, <laughs> let's just watch. And, and I'd probably get mad, too, if the Lord doesn't <laughs> take care of business. So, but I, I know that's not right. But it's how I feel sometimes, just confessing my faults. So anyway, I hope, I don't know, did, did this help anybody? <laughs> Do you get helped at this? I, I have to preach the whole Bible. I don't know if this helps anybody. I, I don't know what to say after this. But anyway, we'll close the word of prayer. So, Dear Lord, we thank you that we're able to be here tonight. And Lord, I just pray that uh, this chapter will at least be a wake-up call to us. Lord, help us to just uh, never get tempted and just compromising and just going along with the sick, twisted, perverted world that we live in and even the sick, twisted, perverted uh, Baptists out there that are just trying to uh, pander to uh, filth and foolishness and wickedness. And I pray, Lord, that uh, we'll do everything we can to try to make a difference and to try to turn the tide in this country while you're still giving us a chance. Help us uh, get as many people saved uh, from the wrath to come as possible. In your name we pray. Amen.